When life as you know it is flipped upside down, we struggle to make sense of it all. Why would a good God allow this to happen? Hi, I'm Sherry Pilkington, your host of Finding God in Our Pain. In early 2018, the deepest questions of my life erupted when I unexpectedly lost my husband of 32 years. Since then, I've searched the heart of God for what he has to say about pain and suffering. In this podcast, we'll discover how God enters into our pain, shepherds us through our darkest valley, and out into the green pastures once again. I'll bring you firsthand stories from women who will allow us into their authentic struggle, along with professional advice from experts, counselors, and others who can speak to what it looks like to navigate pain. Join me as we discover God's answers to the deepest cries of our shattered heart. My guest today is Meredith Bunting. She lives with chronic illness. She has rheumatoid arthritis and debilitating back spasms. And when they attack, they keep her isolated in her bed, knotted up in pain for days on end. These conditions are not going away. There is no cure. Meredith shares her personal deep revelations about finding God in the type of pain that isolates and creates an atmosphere of loneliness and depression. In times of utter darkness and when the silence is deafening, she finds God there. Meredith is a woman who finds holiness in the now, in the minute by minute, and she uses her pain to bridge her reality with heaven's value system. In doing so, she's discovered God's heart for her and the truth of who he is in her pain and suffering. A prolific poet and author, Meredith has written something that she wants to make available to my podcast listeners. It was going to be a small chapter book for publication, but she decided to make it free and she put it on her website, Meredith Bunting. Rhymes with hunting, but with a B as in boy, MeredithBunting.com. Click on the new blog tab at the top of her website. Look for the blog post entitled The Essence of Pain and make sure you read all five pages. The first page plus one page for each letter in the word pain. She uses P-A-I-N as an acronym to delve a little deeper into the layers of who God is. God has shared some extravagantly rich revelation with our heart. So let's hear what she has to share. Hello, Meredith. And thank you for sharing your heart today. Uh, You have some rich, deep things to share with our guests. How can they connect with you via your Yahoo email? They can connect with me through my Yahoo email, meredithbunting at yahoo.com. And if they want to read more or more in depth, I do have a website, which is meredithbunting.com. That's wonderful because you do speak a lot more into that chronic pain on your website, a lot more that you reveal. So that's a great resource. Meredith has a short essay called Suffering Compassion. She walks this road because it's not that she endured, she is enduring. Meredith is working on a five-chapter book, and she breaks it down by the word pain, P-A-I-N. And I say that because each of those letters stands for a different phase. So Meredith, in your chapter book that you're just now finishing up, our guests will find that on your website. You describe what it is to live with chronic pain in this way. The broken sufferer lives in solitude much of the time. Pain, emotional or physical, intensifies loneliness. And you go on to say, so much isolation lends itself to depression. Tell me a little bit about where you were in life when your world was flipped upside down, because how do you stay away from depression? How do you function in chronic pain? 
Well, I'll tell you, it, it goes back about 25 years. And at that time, I, was, I, um, I ran a fitness center. I was very much in shape. I was training the trainers. And I actually had what I thought God had given, given to me. It was a ministry in fitness. Mm -hmm. um, I even started a book called Faith, Fitness, and Fruit, which um, centered around fitness. But then I was struck with rheumatoid arthritis, struck hard, so that suddenly I had pain in all of my joints and I, I had to stop exercising altogether, stop my job, of course. And I cried out to God, what kind of a joke is this? You gave me a ministry in fitness. It was thriving. And now I can hardly even get out of bed. Well, through medication and a lot of surgeries, finally the rheumatoid arthritis <laughs> was under control. But I still stayed as active as I could out of the blue, even when I was working, I started to get these horrific back spasms. I had no idea what they were, what was causing them. Nobody could help me. The only thing that I would do is just lie in a fetal position until they would finally go away. And sometimes it would take an hour or two hours, possibly even 15 minutes. And then I would try to figure out what is it? What is it that made them go away? But these back spasms would, would last for weeks at a time. And during that time, I was totally debilitated. That was when I really had to start working things out with God. With the rheumatoid arthritis, I knew that that was a sentence and I was going to have to find the long-term way to live with it. But these back spasms were an entirely different game. They took me down. So for years, when I had them, I... um. I was totally alone with God in pain and the pain scared me to death because I, there's no answer. I ultimately saw doctors and they all said it was just all in the thoracic area of my um, back, which is right, right behind the chest. No way could I do surgery. And especially since I have rheumatoid arthritis, surgery is just not an option. So I started to go to pain management classes, which was a... <laughs> It just was not working for me because in pain management classes, you learn how to breathe. You learn how to listen to music. You learn different positions, but that was so surface. It was bogus. Right. They would come and go. And when they were gone, I was free. And I've discovered over the years that when they went away, I started to see life totally differently. I started to appreciate things that I never appreciated before. Before, when I was an exercise guru, I always had to run someplace. I always had to jump someplace. I always had to keep going. But when the back spasms would come and go, I really slowed down. And I really tried to listen to God. I was trying to find a purpose in the pain. Suffering is universal. Everybody has some kind of suffering. And for some, we know it's, it's terminal. I couldn't name mine. I didn't have a medicine for mine. I didn't have a plan for mine. It just came out of the blue. Like suddenly I had, I had a roach in my back and it came alive and it, it, it took me down. So I did get some help from a physical therapist ultimately. And he gave me a TENS unit and the TENS unit is a, a unit that you carry and it has electrodes that you put on the area of your pain. And then you turn on the, the electrodes and the electrical stimulation in the area kind of fools the brain to thinking that there really isn't any pain there. In fact, there's all this other stuff going on. 
that really kept me out of an institution, I have to say, because finally I could breathe with them. And so every single time they started, at least I could lie down and have the TINGE unit do its work. All right. So my faith walk, of course, I was always bargaining with God. I was ashamed of how I acted when I was in so much pain. My husband was so supportive, but he was helpless. He still is helpless, but he understands. So I did, I tried different things. I mean, like, I mean, of course I asked for prayer and people prayed for me. At first I didn't want to ask for prayer because I was ashamed of it. Like, I mean, who am I to talk to, uh, to talk about pain? I mean, I didn't have cancer. I didn't lose a limb. I had a family intact. I, I just had back spasms that I didn't know how to handle. But soon enough, people did pray for me. And I was so humbled by that. Yet the back spasms kept coming. So then I read a lot about prayer. And so I tried to pray right. You know, I wanted to do the right kind of praying and be really have God listen to me and hear me. I wanted God to talk to me. Still the back spasms came. So then I said, well, I, I can't even pray during the spasms. But when I came out of the spasms, I felt like God had been praying for me. Right. When I came out of them, I felt like I wasn't alone. Just the spirit within me was praying and keeping me, keeping me. Right. That's all I can say is keeping me. So then I thought, well, you know what, God? Okay, so you know I'm praying. You know I want these to go away. You know I, I'm desperate. But I'm just asking now that you just give me the grace mm. to get through this. Please do not let me be ugly. Please do not let me be bitter that I can't do the things that I used to be able to do. And meanwhile, my hands were completely deformed. My feet were completely deformed. I was just going through this whole breaking. But the times that I spent with God in pain became richer and richer. I still didn't want to have the pain, but it got so that when I came out of those episodes, I almost didn't want to get off the bed. I didn't want to leave God. I was in such a, an intimate place with him. It was holy. And I, I was so humbled by that. I really did try the grace thing. <laughs> I really did. But even recently, they, the spasms come and they get me to that point where I think they're going to probably have to take me to the hospital. I think the faith thing isn't going to work. The grace thing is not working for me. People are praying, but nobody knows. And yet, at the end of it, I realize that all of those things that I try, um, I don't I didn't need to try. God was putting them into me because he's giving me grace. He's giving me patience. He's giving me this close, intimate relationship with him. I just had to trust him in all of my surrendering. And surrendering is a huge word. You're right, because when I went through the loss of my husband, the surrender and worship I never imagined were as powerful as they are, but you lay it down and submit it to him and then worship him in that pain. That was incredibly right. powerful to me. That was very transformative for me in, in my dark season with him. Let me add to that, the worship. Um, worship is so powerful, especially for the sufferer. That's where the gift is. Mm -hmm. 
Um, it's like the wounded warrior. And I think of Christ. I think of Christ on the cross, the, the epitome of worship. And when we are suffering, especially when we don't know what's next, and there's a, a, a welling of worship coming up, yeah. therein, that is the Holy Spirit. That's what makes Christians different from other brave, brave souls who suffer and they have their own religion or their own gods or their own methods or their own patterns, but they don't have Christ. We're all witnesses to suffering. We all see it from different angles. And I happen to see it from this angle. I do believe that in the suffering, the Holy Spirit wells up within us and allows us to worship. And that is not be, because we want to worship. It's because he wants to worship. The epitome of worship is Jesus Christ on the cross. And that he would allow us to worship as he did in his suffering is such a powerful thing. And it separates us from other very brave souls who are un, go through so much suffering as well. But they you choose another path of handling it. Right. Whereas we worship the Christ who, who suffered first for us. Submission and worship set me free, even in the midst of my grief and pain. Let me ask you something, just to get a personal opinion. When I think about pain and suffering, especially to your degree, and I've read some of these things that you've written and it's debilitating. It has you balled up on the bed, unable to move or breathe. That's more than I believe I could take. So I definitely know that you're dealing with something that lays you flat, paralyzes you and, you know, incapacitates your ability, your quality of life. So when you think about the aspect of pain, do you think that it might also be the way that God gives us a glimpse or a taste into what sort of pain we will experience on an eternal basis separated from him? I don't know that I could answer that. I think that I would only say that I don't know how I would ever endure it if I did not have God to hold on to. I can't imagine pain without him. And, and I think what your question is, is this pain that I'm experiencing the kind of pain I, I would experience if I didn't have him? I'm not qualified to say that, to answer that. But what it does make me think of Mm-hmm. is what is the pain going to be in the end mm-hmm. for me? How am I going to be able to handle the pain in the end? How can I be, will I be able to be a witness of grace? And um, you know what? That's really not up to me to worry about. Because what's so important for each one of us in this surrendering is now. Mm-hmm. How are we handling it now? What what are we doing now with the, with the pain and with the situation? Can we find beauty in it? Can we find purpose in it? Can we make it something that is worthwhile? Through the grace of God, I have made my pain excursions and journey into a, a gift to give back to God, that he would be so close to me in it. And if others can glean just a little bit of joy from that, yeah. I know that would bless God. He is the answer. He is the light in the dark. And he is 
the comforter in the pain. He's our only option that I'm aware of. Yeah, we can try and pull our bootstraps up. Yeah, we can try and rely on things that don't have the ability to intercede for us, to connect with us, to speak into our pain, to speak to us, to distance yourself from him would be to cut off your source for that light, for that glory in the midst of your pain. Well, let me tell you this. And you say, I have been, I've screamed at God. I've been so mad at him that I look at myself and I see a monster. I, and I, I see, I see the devil trying to take hold of me. I've never told anybody this. Honestly, I have seen the devil try to take over me and it, I just crumble. And I, I, that God would pick up the pieces from that. And still give me a heart of gratitude, mm-hmm. give me reprieve from the pain. I just want to be able to write it down and share it. I want people to know that it's okay to scream and yell. I mean, nobody's judging you. Mm-hmm. Nobody is judging you. But the important thing is that you get through it and know that that Jesus is in that boat with you. I think God sees it as the pain because when I let my pain erupt you know, toward God and all my questioning and whatnot, it came out as anger. It it manifested as anger, but he never once made me feel guilty or shamed or, you know, turned away from me. I always felt his presence. It was peaceful. At times it was tangible. And then he, it felt like he just absorbed my anger. Like you're saying, you fell apart. He bends down, picks up the pieces and restores you. That's the love of a father who's gone before you, you know, and paved the way for you to have eternal healing. It, it really is, because at that point, that's the real brokenness. At that point, I hate myself. I would not pick up my, my pieces. I wouldn't do it. And I would be ashamed. That's where Satan works. He says, God, I even want to look at you. Nobody wants to even look at you. Listen to your language. Listen to your ranting. Who do you think you are? But God is God's not even in the picture then. He is already putting all, all the pieces together. And he doesn't use band-aids. Everything, every way that God puts you together, it's, it's holy. And a lot of times, because we've, been, we've, we've gone through pain, and there again, in your pain, and someone who's lost a loved one, someone who is going through a very difficult marriage, who's abused, um, the terrible suffering in the world. God mm-hmm. made us human, and he knows we're going to have human emotions. So because we've experienced pain on so many different levels, when we see another going through pain, a lot of times we try to band-aid them. We think from our experience, I can band-aid you with this scripture or this experience or that, but those are band-aids. That's not how God fixes us. And when God really fixes us, things like what you and I are doing happen. Because what, what really what God wants to do is he wants to completely fix all of us and bring us to heaven. Because you said he, he fixes us in holy ways. Trying to think of a way to distinguish between the healing that he does here and now and what holy healing is. Do you have any thoughts on that? Well, <clears throat> the healing that he does he, here and now is really a quick fix. It's like a quick fix, you know, and it is from him. And it's one that, that elicits, thank you, God, let me get on with life. Let me go hug my grandchildren. Let me, let, let me finish this project. And it's, it's his grace, but holy healing brings us 
ever closer to the throne. It gives him glory alone. So if I'm able to write my book in between episodes of spasms, that, that's a quick fix. And, I, and it's grace. It's all grace. Yeah. And those of us who are willing to let God do it his way, we're closer to heaven. And we're also able to bring so many others with us. Don't you know that must bless him? I think it does. I think one of the reasons, one of the ways that he brings that beauty out of ashes is that you turn around put your arm around somebody else or come alongside them and help them take the next step and the next breath and just let them know they're not alone. That's huge. I, I've often said, I don't think we are much different as human beings. I think when you peel away all the layers and we peel it away down to the core, we're all alike in the way of, we don't want to be alone. We were created for relationship and therefore relationship is what drives us. Ultimately, mm-hmm. the only satisfying relationship is with Christ. He's not only the one that is present who can walk into that pain with you, but he's the one who knows pain intimately. He knows betrayal. He knows death. He knows all of those things. People want to help. People want to do things. People desperately want to make things better for you. But most of the time, they don't know how. They Mm -hmm. fall short of what we need. You made the point that you did all the right things. You checked all the boxes and, you know, you were having people (laughs) pray for you and you were really working at earning that grace. And that... Yeah. That's so true about us as Christians. You can't earn that grace. You can't earn that intimacy. Well, and, and here's another interesting point that I just want to you know, share with you. I am absolutely purposeful in wanting to be able to use what's happened to me. And um, I, I feel responsibility to be that way. I found over the past couple of years in my growing compassion and my sensitivity to other people, I mean, I, I just felt like, of course, you bring me to people who are also suffering or who are dealing with disability and the embarrassment of it and bringing the humor out of it. But guess what? I kept running into new widows. I was like, what's this about? I can give you several examples and you're one of them, but suddenly I would hear of a widow or read of a widow or a friend or meet someone and my heart broke for them, broke. And I would say, Meredith, you have no idea what they're going through. I didn't have anything other than to reach out, to write a note, uh, and to listen, and to listen, and to listen, and to let, let them cry, and to say, I am crying with you. And I almost think that empty vessel is where God poured his mercy, whereas that if I went in with all my experiences, I would be using my experiences. I know what it's like to have your husband gone because my husband was in the Navy and he'd be gone six, eight, nine months at a time. That was devastating to me. I was never a good Navy wife. So I know what the separation is. However, they always came back. It's been very interesting to me that those are the people God has had me not minister to, but be with. As far as universal languages go, I believe that laughter and joy rises above every language barrier or culture barrier. So love and joy and then pain and tears. So the fact that you are enduring deep pain, great pain, debilitating pain, that I think gives you the ability to connect with others or to understand the pain. Suffering really is a loss of something. It's the loss of normal. When you really suffer, you know that normal is never going to be normal again. 
in fact, our country is suffering now. We don't know where our normal is. I think of the disciples after, uh, after Jesus was crucified and how devastated they were, how fearful they were, because they did not know what was coming next. So they all huddled in this, in this room and I'm sure they prayed and I would say, well, now how did Jesus pray? How did he pray? What are we going to do? But there was one disciple who did not go and that was Thomas. Mm -hmm. Now where did, Thomas was not in that room. I think that what Thomas did was he said, you know what? I'm just going back to my normal. Mm -hmm. And so he picked up his fishing gear and he went off, but he found himself to be so lonely and there was no normal anywhere. It was black. Jesus was gone and his friends were gone. So he went and he found his friends and he was still belligerent because when Peter said, hey, guess who's back? We saw Jesus. Thomas was very skeptical and he said, show me, right. I wanna see him. And right. Jesus in his grace came and Jesus in his grace said, this Thomas is your new normal. And there, there it is in suffering, nothing is normal again, it's all God's normal, and it's in the now. It's not when it's over. It's not when we fix it. It's not when you get the medication. It's now, and that's where the presence of God is. That's a powerful point, because I do think that we wait God out in our pain, waiting for it to pass. So here we are waiting him out when he wants to wait with us. He wants to walk through there. Like you said, I think in your writing, you referred to him as walking on top of the storm and then mm -hmm. boat with his power and his strength, both on top of the storm and then intimately in the boat with us in the storm. Taking us to his shore, not our shore. And he takes over the oars. Okay. And that's what I'll include in my last chapter. You even said that when suffering happens, it's because we're separated from what our normal was. And we have to remember, we are separated from normal ways, but we are not separated from God. But we desperately look for the normal. Right. And God watches. He watches us row so hard to find the normal. And really, that's so normal for us to do. It, it is. because And God created us to be human beings and to have our own will and try it our own way. And we don't have to turn to him. Many brave people in great pain and great tragedy choose another way. They choose their own strength, their own past, their own abilities, their doctors. And all of that is really good. But, the, but God is, is the one you don't want to be separated from. No. And you won't be if no. you turn to him. Amen to that. Looking at your chapter book, the one that you're finishing up now, you break it into four chapters and you use the word pain to do that. I loved that you broke it down that way because you pointed out these different aspects of what it is to suffer. Let's start with the letter P and the word praise. You have these back spasms and uh, the way you described it, I can almost imagine what it's like to live with it. You said, when the back spasms abated like a retreating monster licking his chops, I laid on the bed whispering praise. Something like, Jesus, Jesus, thank you for the relief. So you have this sharp comparison of what it is to live with massive, painful back spasms. And then uh, they release you. 
And then you're, you're just pouring forth your worship. You're pouring forth your thanks and your praise. I don't say, okay, now I can praise you. I just do find myself saying, Jesus, Jesus, thank you. That's when I know that he's been in the boat with me. Mm-hmm. Is, you know, it's just a deviation. You know, when somebody narrowly misses you and doesn't hit you with a car. Mm-hmm. And your first words are, thank you, God. Right. I believe that God knew that was going to happen anyway, and he saved you because he knew you were going to thank him. That's the holy worship that's within us from the Holy Spirit. He could be for patience. God knows we need patience and pain. He could be penitence, all these things. But I chose praise because that is how I feel. And I, I can feel thankful for so many things on so many different levels, but I'm never as thankful and praise deep, more deeply than after an episode of back spasms. When you refer to it as a holy moment, is that what you're talking about? You're in this spot where you're just pouring out praise because of the release, am I understanding correctly? Yes, again, he took it away. And again, I didn't kill myself. <laughs> you even say that your gratitude's not for the relief, but for the raw feeling of praise. That that's- Yes. Um, not even wanted to leave that praise, that place of being able to, to give God the glory and to see his glory right there uh, on the bed. I never, I don't expect that. I only want to be done and be able to get up. But instead I find myself in this pool of praise. And I believe that that is a holy moment. It is given to me because God was with me the whole time during those episodes. And, And remember, again, we're human. We are gonna have pain. God is not magic and he's not Santa Claus and he's not gonna say zap, but my body is broken somewhere and it's going to have pain. But God is with me in it and he proves it to, to me by, by put, pouring out praise. Mm-hmm. The fact that you would even turn to him immediately, I'm sure you're, he's with you when you're in the pain and can't speak and then you turn to him when that pain is released and you're ready, to, you can verbalize something and and in this case your praise draws you into a realm of glory and radiance that you enjoy him and remember what jesus did remember how jesus wept at the grave of lazarus he wept but he said thank you father for what you are going to do now thank you that is jesus praise it's my praise to think that, that i would have the word of our lord within me that's a gift of of pain and then you say pain releases you into the presence of the God because it has no hold on you. Can you elaborate mm-hmm. for me? To be honest, sometimes I think pain really doesn't really hold stuff. It's going to get me down because it always goes at one step further to just make me waver. Pain can have a hold on me because it's not of God. So he, he's not the winner. The battle has been won. And even if I go to heaven kicking and screaming because my back hurts, The battle's been won. He knows I'm going to be praising him. I mean, he already, he knows that already. I don't know it, but he does. You say suffering in extreme results in excellent praise. In God's hands, praise is a gift. So that's so deep because if you can find a way to praise God in deep suffering, there are things being revealed to your heart and to your mind that you won't get to see or experience in other ways. In your second chapter, it's adoration. 
Tell me what you, how you feel about that adoration. I didn't know how much I loved God until I loved God through the pain and when he brought me out of the pain. And I felt like the adoration I, I have for him then is again holy. And this is what God wants from us. He wants holy worship from us. And I don't understand that concept. That's a mystery to me. How do I give him holy worship? Well, out of love. And I love God so much for getting me through another episode that I am taken to a place of adoration that I know only Jesus shares with me. I mean, he, he's the one who loves God the most. He pours that love into me so I can give it to his father. And plus two, we are not to worship him with a divided mind or a divided heart. Therefore, maybe if we're trying to focus on our pain, we're divided. We're not focusing on him. We are working out our life situation based on the pain and not working out our life situation based on who he is. So maybe even in that adoration, there's a pure worship, like you were saying, because we begin to, to focus on him and what he has to say and what he can do in, in the midst of it. Pain is the gift of adoration. So in the pain, I can give God adoration. And I love this. You say, under the long-term vice of chronic pain, loving God is the only way to survive. Don't you know that blesses him? I wouldn't be able to do it on my own. I don't know what he's doing, but I do love, love him. But I love him most when he gets me through the, um, those episodes or when I'm unsure of things. And that's a whole other part of my life of, of moving around and not knowing where we're going to be living. And I want to settle down. I'm a nester. I was supposed to trust him, but that was just like an overused word. Right. Trust God. But in the not knowing, I could only love God. When we move on to the letter I for invitation, you you, you say, I do not want to forget that I have been broken. Why do you want to still hang on to that fact that you have been broken? Like you said about how things were before you lost your husband. You weren't the person that you are now. You wouldn't be doing what you are now. Maybe you look at other women, happily married women, families, all that, and you sometimes wish that's where you were. But this is where God has you. And has you and you adore him. You've had a special invitation. Your suffering is an invitation into his kingdom. My brokenness is physical. People can look at me and say, well, she's broken. As I said, I used to be very, very active, very strong. Then as I was broken bit by bit, and I was, it took joint by joint, something else broke within me. And it was of all those bondages to fitness, to ego, to all the things that I really loved and thought were, were my identity. They were all broken. When the, the spasms came, I was broken even on the inside. And there was nobody, there was nothing in, in my world that could answer my pain. So I, I had to figure out a way to to deal with my disabilities and laugh about them. Ultimately, I honestly saw them as gifts from God because people are so kind to me. People reach out to me. They're so gentle. I love to take the time to receive their blessings. 
before I I wouldn't know that. And as, as far as the pain and that I go through in my back, I appreciate life so much more. Mm-hmm. I appreciate in between, I just remember that I'm a broken person. So don't don't set any big goals. Don't don't think you're somebody else anymore, Meredith. You're not that person anymore. You've been broken. You're a wounded warrior. So I don't want to betray that place. It really does come down to this internal and external value system that we have because everything comes into question about who you were or what you were about or, and then that all falls apart, crumbles to the ground. And now you've got to take a look on the inside. And sometimes like for me, when I looked on the inside, I wasn't so sure I was happy. So now I've got to really get into this area that, I wasn't necessarily comfortable with and had to look at God to redefine a lot of things. Suffering brings on a lot of self introspection, self analysis and self doubt. And you have to be really careful about that because that's the devil's playground. Self really doesn't count anymore. God is creating a new person. That's true. You and I have to walk in that person. I say this very humbly. It's a beautiful person. People see and gravitate towards something within us. Mm. And we're not trying to pull them in. Right. And I, I don't have time for that. But right. people gravitate to us be, because God is using us. We're broken. That's true. That broken vessel that God forces mm-hmm. his plan into. So for the wrap up on the invitation, it says, we must suffer afflictions that take us away from this world and into the depths of our souls. And here in this crucible, we face our fears, sorrows, and failings. And I think that pretty much wraps up what we were just saying. You're going from this external existence where you're connecting and identifying yourself as some of these things, these roles that you fulfill, and then all of that falls away. And now you're faced with the failings and the, the pain. That does not define you. You learn that. You, you realize that it does not define you. You are a child of God. That's concrete foundations of the way you want to build a house to know that it's not based on any of your frailties on chapter four the word in you have now you said you had visions of clutching the bottom of jesus's robe like the ailing woman in luke's gospel not with dignity or sweet faith but with clenched teeth hot tears begging jesus make it go away and that's my first reaction to god i was telling God, you know, you knew this, you saw this. I was looking for an argument and he knew that. And so he doesn't answer my question, but he says, Sherry, some things just belong to me. I read this description. I was like, that's what I felt Mm -hmm. like. I wanted a different outcome. I had those clenched teeth, hot Mm -hmm. tears and begging Jesus, make it go away. Make it go away. Right. And you said, I learned to pray to myself Mm -hmm. and found comfort in my conversations with God. And I tried to be articulate and intentional in my praying, adding scripture verses I memorized. I hope Jesus would hear my voice and touch me and heal me. So again, you're using God's word to put action behind his. You want to move his hand. You want all the right things, I thought. Right. But I don't think that's a bad thing. No, it's very important to do that because that's the building up of the spirit. It's, it's, it's healing to our soul to do that mm-hmm. rather than reading self-help books. It's girding us up. I just felt like I wasn't doing it right. Why didn't he heal me? Right. Because we see it as examples in the Bible. And so that's why we put these things into practice. And we see God's value system in the Bible and we want to act on those things. But 
I guess too, it all depends on what he's trying to teach us at the moment, who he's trying to show us he is in this particular situation, uh, because we do see that those types of things do work. God does move his hand, turn his head, incline his ear to us, and he moves and, and takes action. But in this particular phase of your life, God's looking to go deeper. So you're wrapping up chapter four, and I think this really shows the beautiful transition of what you're going through. It says, I remember the day I told the Lord it was okay if he didn't heal me and I surrendered my pain to him. There was nothing I could do on my own to change this unwanted course of my life. I asked him then to just give me the grace to bear it. In that prayer, I felt withdrawing from me, not the pain, but all the anger, disappointment, and bitterness from my soul. The Holy Spirit then breathed deep and whole, expanding my heart. That's a shift of the mind, of the heart. Can you speak any more to that? You said a lot in that, but did you have any more to add? It, it really did happen that way. I remember I was tired of spirit and I just didn't want to, I, I just didn't want to be a mean person. Just give me the grace to do it, God. I just wanted to see what he could do now without my help. And then that's when things begin to change with your pain, or maybe it has. Have you seen any difference in the level or the frequency of pain? No. I was just thinking about this. The last episode started June 5th. During that time, we moved out of a motor home, a coach home in Florida. We came up here and put our home up for sale and moved out of it. And on June 5th, up until a week ago, I had back spasms all through that. I would just be laid low while we were trying to move. And then I would have to get up and then I would be back down. I had steroid injections, you know. But God got me through it. Sometimes I just have to laugh. But I know it's going to come again. But at least I'm prepared as a human being. Mm -hmm. And God will do what he does with me spiritually. But when I wrote the end, I really struggled with the end. When I'm thinking spiritually and I want to write something, I love to start with an acronym because I just feel like that God gives that to me. And there's a story behind that. I won't go into it. So when I was really searching for the essence of pain and trying to think of doing something purposeful during one of those episodes, I came up with the acronym. But then when I came to the end, I didn't know what it could be, except that I realized that it's not and hoping that it's gonna get better. And it's not of hoping that they'll be easier or there'll be better medicine that when it's gonna be over. It's now, it's his presence now, living for him now. So he's, he is giving me now so that I will have him holy now. It, and it's not about tomorrow and yesterday's gone. It's not about in the next five minutes, I'm with you now. That's huge. Mm -hmm. That is huge. It's his presence, like you're saying, now, in the moment, Mm -hmm. watching over me when I'm having a bad day, walking with me, sitting beside me, catching tears. It's the intimacy of his presence, and that's all that really matters. And it's a very real thing. And that's why I wanted it to be that the end um, was really important. It was like he was telling me, Meredith, All of this, all of this is about now. And I'm with you in it now. That's something that people need to hang on to with the fact that we don't have to wait to get to heaven so we can enjoy God. But we can know him and enjoy him now. Age him and know deeply his heart for us. Learn his value system and mature into our knowledge and understanding of who he is, especially in pain. 
Yes. That's why he gave us his son. That's why Jesus walked this earth. And we have that all in the gospels and all of the writings. We know how God would react to all of this. We have all of his promises for us. That's the difference in all of the other religions or self-helps or yogas or whatever. We have a person who imparted his spirit to us, showing us the way, living through us, and is with us now. He's very real now. Beautiful. I'm going to wrap up with this sentence. One of the last sentences, you're working on chapter five, and that will finish the book out. So this isn't really the last sentence, but it says, and it's more to the point what you're making now. While we are begging for the storm to be over, our Savior is walking in the storm with us. And this is what we must see in our times of suffering, not when the storm will subside, but that Jesus Christ is walking with us on those turbulent waters. He is present. Mm. Thank you, sweet friend. I enjoy you. I love you. And I appreciate your time and sharing your heart and such a strong message for those who are suffering with illnesses that are not going away. I know. God bless you. Thank you for your time and for sharing this experience with my guest. I hope you have found encouragement for today and a deeper revelation of God's heart in the midst of pain and suffering. We'd love to have you as a subscriber to Finding God in Our Pain so that you can be connected with all my guests as they share their personal experiences and professional knowledge about pain and suffering. And because this podcast is a division of the website, A Life of Thrive, for more information and the various ways you can connect with us, please visit the website, alifeofthrive.com. I look forward to sharing more transparent stories from the hearts of women who intimately know what it means to have their world flipped upside down, their authentic struggle to make sense of it, and what recovery and healing looks like. Till then, sweet woman, remember you are not alone and that God speaks the most beautiful things in the dark.